Well, good day, friends, and welcome to today's episode of Enough for Today for Thursday, January the 5th. We're five days into 2023, and I hope that you're having a good day. Um, hey, I got a new microphone. Do you notice it's gone, and now it's attached here? So I hope the sound is sufficient. We're going to try this out, see how it goes. It definitely frees up my workspace a little bit, um, but uh, we hope it sounds good. So we're in Psalm 69. We left off after verse 3 yesterday. So David in this psalm is praying for vengeance. He's praying that God will deal with his enemies. He starts off the psalm by expressing his complaint and prayer to God. Save me, O God. The waters are coming to my soul. He's drowning. I sink in the deep mire. There's no standing. I'm coming to deep waters where the floods overflow me. So uh, there, there, David is, just has the sense of his circumstances overwhelming him. We talked about that. He says, I, I'm weary of my crying. My throat is dried. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. We, we left off there yesterday. So David's in deep trouble. One thing I love about the Psalms is it uh, doesn't give us a varnished idea of our experience of God. Our life with him is very real. It's very raw. And the Psalms are really, as we've, we've said this before, they're God's medicine chest for the human heart. We're getting the inside out look of what a walk, what a life with God really entails, what it is all about. And sometimes on our journey, if we trust God, the journey is going to involve some deep waters that seem seem, that's the key, seem to overflow our souls, seem to bring us into long seasons of crying, long seasons of darkness or desperation, long series where we're just waiting, long seasons, excuse me, where we're just waiting. And that's where David has been for a long time now in this picture, waiting on God. But you know, we get the vantage point of being able to look back on David's whole story. And here's what we can see. God was always active. God was always present. God always knew what he was doing, and in the end, God's story was ultimately vindicated, and all of his promises were ultimately kept in David's life. Now, what's the big takeaway, and that is for you and me, that our story is no different. The long seasons, God's active, he's present, he knows what he's doing. He's just calling me to wait and walk and endure to some degree, um, to be faithful, to remain, to not cast off, Hebrews 10, our confidence. Uh, to not be overcome with a sense of weariness. Be not weary in well-doing, for we shall reap if we faint not. So we're called through these seasons, and we are going to experience these seasons uh, many times in our lives. Well, let's pick it up in verse 4 today and see where this goes. They that hate me without cause are more than the hairs of mine head. Now think about that. David is being hated unjustly uh, and they've teamed up against him he's experiencing radical rejection in his life they that hate me without cause are more than the hairs of my head there's two times in david's life where this could have been written maybe there's others but um the first is when saul and his um loyalists have uh, banded together to go kill david before he ever gets to become king but think about that he had david had just slain goliath so he saves the nation from the oppression of the Philistines, and this is the thanks he gets. They now want him dead. It's, he goes from hero to zero, right? Um, later in his life, his son Absalom um, takes over the kingdom, takes over the palace, uh, fornicates with David's wives, and David is left trudging up uh, Mount of Olives barefoot 
and uh, fleeing his own country, his own, his own city, the city that he conquered and claimed and, and reigned in faithfully, uh, he's experiencing now the radical rejection and the loss. It's really a foreshadowing. It's a picture uh, in that sense of Jesus and all that he lost for us. And when we consider him and his loss, it, it gives our loss a context and it gives, it gives our hearts the strength to endure, and to remember um, that he's with us and he's experienced what we're experiencing. They that hate me without cause are more than the hairs of mine head. They that would destroy me, being mine enemies, wrongfully. So one thing here is it, there's definite injustice. David has not de- done anything to deserve this. But they're mighty, he says. They, they're stronger than me. They're overcoming me. <clears throat> then I restored that which I took not away. There's some sense here where David um, was going extra miles in being right before those that hated him when he was falsely accused he would still try to even make that right he would try to restore look catch this phrase i restored that which i took not away someone else took it away but i restored it or it was never taken away but i was accused of taking it so i restored it anyway david was so careful with his integrity um, in in this sense that he was trying to be well above and beyond I just think of um, David being in the cave at En Gedi, waiting and hiding from Saul when, uh, with his 300 men, and Saul and his army coming in passionate pursuit of David to kill him, and they come into the cave, and we were there not long ago. When you're standing in that cave, uh, I've wondered all my life, how in the world did David and 300 men spend the night in silence? How do you hide? the noises, just even the breathing, much less the coughing, sneezing, whispering, uh, clanking of metal and armor and swords. How do you hide all that from um, another group of men in the foreground of the cave and the, 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 your very enemies? Well, when you go to that cave, there is um, a waterfall, a spring coming down into that cave and then flowing down the mountain from that cave. And it's an amazing reality that Part of the reason they selected that cave was not just the shelter and the fresh water, it was the noise. It was, it's a wall of white noise that masks all the other noises. So David and his men could have been back in that cave behind that waterfall having full-blown conversation and nobody would have heard them. So it's quite an amazing thing. But what did David do? He had the opportunity to kill Saul. His comrades, his friends were saying, kill him, this is your moment. And he just would not take God's course of action into his own hands. He refused to do so. He went and cut off the hem of Saul's garment. He retreated. He waited till Saul was well out of the cave, leaving in the morning. Then he went out to the mouth of the cave and held it up and said, Saul, I could have killed you. I had the opportunity. So David just simply would not, um, would not take matters into his own hands. Look at verse 5. O God, thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. Now, this is interesting turn in the meditation. Now, remember, this is, we're listening to David's walk with God from the inside out. He's journaling his experience before the Lord, and he's seeking the Lord. This is so much like what you and I do in our lives, or what we should do. And he finally realizes, you know, I, I say that I'm being hated without cause, and um, my enemies are after me wrongfully, and I restored that which is I took not away, but God knows my foolishness and my sin. 
God knows the times I have done wrong and that I have failed. My sins are not hid from thee. So while he's pleading his righteousness, he is convicted immediately of his sinfulness before God. And so he realizes he's uh, on the ground only of mercy and grace. Verse 6, and then he turns a different direction. Let them that wait on thee, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed from, I'm sorry, let not them that wait on thee, O Lord of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek thee be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel. So I want you to see the progression. In the first place, David says, God, vindicate me. I don't deserve this. In verse 5, David catches his thoughts and says, well, maybe I do deserve this. Even though I don't deserve it from them, I surely do deserve it because of my sin. You know who I really am. So maybe this is a part of your chastening in my life. And then he takes a different approach. Lord, um, I lead other people who are loving, worshiping, waiting on you. I influence them. God, let them not be ashamed or disgraced uh, because of me. Lord, I I influence people that seek you. So for their sake, um, don't let them be confounded by my failure in this moment. I don't want to do the wrong thing, not just to dishonor God, not just for myself, but I don't want to do the wrong thing because there's others that are impacted when I do. Now, my friend, this is what I want you to think about as we wrap up today. Who is impacted by your choices? Who's impacted by your following or failure, by your faithfulness to God or your faltering? Uh, You might be right on the edge of giving up or throwing in the towel. You might be right in verses one through three where you just don't think you can take any more and you're not sure you really want to wait on God. And I just want to encourage you with this. Wait on him because you are impacted by this. God will be glorified, but your testimony will affect others. Someone else needs to see you be faithful through your waiting. Uh, So trust him. Think on these things today. Happy Thursday. Thanks for joining me. Don't forget Vision Sunday on Sunday, and we'll see you tomorrow.